What's up, everyone? I am Parsa Benamory. And Corgan Nolan. And we are the founders of Show ATL and the creators of the new Show ATL podcast, the podcast where we seek to find and highlight Atlanta's creative voice by sitting down with those people who are creating awesome and kick-ass things in our city every single day. Season one of Show ATL podcast actually drops today, and we're very excited about the guests we have on this season. Uh, just to name a few, we've got Alex Vernon of Comeback Vinyl, Yu Kylin of Kylin Art, Michael Sponsel, Freedom Barber Co., and several more. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere else where you listen to podcasts. You can learn more about Show ATL and the Show ATL podcast at www.showatl. That's S H O W A T L dot com. Enjoy. Uh, so they were just these big, big personalities. Didn't they would feel guilty if they went out night on the town and spent like, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. But still wanted to have a good time. So Golden Eagle was uh, sort of an, uh, a way to create an imaginary place that I thought they might really enjoy. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Atlanta Foodcast. You know, if you've spent any amount of time on the Atlanta Beltline, then you've passed by and or had a drink or two at Ladybird. And this steadfast watering hole has been a part of dining and good time spent on our city's favorite walking path for quite some time now and long ahead of everything that you really know and love today. And if you walk just a little bit further south, you're going to find great coffee, toast, and breakfast tacos at Muchacho. All things that I love on any given day. But it doesn't stop there. You'll also enjoy amazing ambiance paired with cocktails like nowhere else in the city at Golden Eagle. And the guy behind all of this is Michael Lennox. And he and I sat down just a little earlier this summer to go through his story and how he started each one of these concepts. So without much further ado, let's jump right in. So a question that I ask everybody on my show and I just love to know because this tells so much of just you know your your taste and how you you've grown as a human. <laughs> but the question I love to ask everybody is who cooked for you growing up, and what kind of cook was he or she? Um, I'm the oldest of three boys, and my parents split up when I was 12, and so growing up, my mom was the cook in the household. That remained the case uh, after my parents split up with the caveat that she worked quite a bit. And so we would get home and if, if there was going to be anything decent that didn't come out of the pantry, the freezer, I was going to have to figure it out. And so, uh, I would say at that age, middle school, going into high school, I started to take a bigger interest in cooking, uh, as a, you know, something to do to have an enjoyable meal that yeah. wasn't uh, a bowl of cereal. So. Yeah. <laughs> Which can still take some art, you know, like sometimes, like, yeah, if someone makes you a bowl of cereal, there, yeah, like know. someone makes you a bowl of cereal, like it can either be just like a, yeah, get out of my way or like, yeah, I actually, you know, yeah. took some time and yeah. Very impressive. You ever had bananas in your cereal? You're like, whoa, like, yeah. hey, that's, um, did you go to culinary school? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So from that point forward, it, it, it took on a life of its own. I, uh, I got the, the CIA textbook slash cookbook yeah. out of my last year of high school and started to get, 
you know, a chef's knife and yeah. uh, build the, the sort of staple products. Yeah. Where'd and, you grow up? I uh, grew up in Sandy Springs. Oh, right on. Yeah. It's great. I, I always joke around, like, you're one of, like, the seven or eight people that actually yeah. <laughs> grew up in Atlanta. Everyone's like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I lived in Atlanta, but we'd, I was born in the Midwest or whatever. But people who are, like, born here and then they moved away and then come back, it's, you guys are, like, an awesome rare breed, you know? I'm, I'm proud to yeah. be one of the wifers. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine it's only gotten better over time. Yeah, no, it, the transformation in the city from when I was a kid to now is, is night and day. Um, it's, it's really hard to comprehend, but I I think it's a very exciting time to be in Atlanta and and just seeing the city start to grow up, I guess, more than it was for sure. 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. So you're growing up in Sandy Springs. You're taking care of your younger brothers, right? So to to a certain extent, I mean, just (laughs) preventing everyone from killing. Exactly. As much as you really want to, as an older brother, like I'll take care of you only because I'm obligated and you know, Mom's count on me to you to not die. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah. So you're growing up in Sandy Springs. So what, what kind of eater were you growing up? Were you like, were you pretty adventurous from an early age? Like, were you pioneering that for your, your, your younger brothers? I, I would say so. Um, I mean, we were not crazy adventurous th- through our parents, but we're exposed to like mussels and uh, sardines and things like that. Yeah. When we were five, six, seven years old. So, yeah. That laid the the groundwork, which I think started to take off as once I got my driver's license, yeah, all bets were off, would start to explore Buford Highway and kind of check out yeah. uh, taquerias and torta shops and uh, stuff like that. So, so I was going to ask you, because I mean, growing up in Sandy Springs, I mean, you're a hop, skip and a jump from Buford Highway. So, you know, back in back in the day, you know, so even, so this would have been like even prior to the 96 Olympics then, yeah? So... Uh, well, yeah, I'm, th- I'm 33. So yeah, 96, I guess I was like 12, yeah. but late, late nineties. Yeah. So what, what was like a place that you liked to go to back in the day? Um, one of the, the old standbys that I still latch onto are Lee's Bakery and Taqueria El Rey Del Taco. It's, so. like, it's always a name. Like I introduce people to Taco Del Rey Del Taco and they're like, is that? really the name yes like <laughs> as everyone knows it it is the name and it's very long it's a lot of syllables and then they eat there and they're like i don't care i don't care what you call it that yeah. place is incredible yeah exactly. yeah but it's always really confusing to outsiders <laughs> they're, they're always they're always wondering like is that like all all of those words are one place like they're, yep they're all yep. important in their own way yeah so. and they're yeah it's great so <laughs> yeah but yeah those are two man like staples of Buford highway for sure yeah for sure yeah so man like you're you're, you're pounding around Atlanta, so, like, Vietnamese and, like, really good, authentic taqueria. Like, that's 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 huge. So, yeah, I mean, t- took it for granted at the time, but in hindsight, I'd say that is one of the more special parts mm-hmm. of Atlanta just in general and, and uh, recognizing the just incredibly wide international palette yeah. that we have here. That, that, to me, is a big part of what makes Atlanta special is you have this just huge population and yeah, uh, huge variety of culture and food, and it all yeah. sort of comes together, and you have access to all kinds of awesome stuff. Yeah, and it, it's such a great thing. I mean, even if you're not, you know, from Atlanta and you move here, and you know, over time, whether you love food or you don't, it, it can build the best type of blind scrutiny of you've had some of the most authentic, if not probably some of the best Thai or Vietnamese, or you know, going to a Peruvian restaurant, and then you go to another one, you're like, 
this this isn't right. You yeah. Know? And then you just have that baked into your mind. And you had that in Atlanta. is is pretty incredible. I mean, you've got such an amazing culinary community in the city. And and then you also have such an amazing artery of Buford Highway. And it's just sandwiched between everything just running, you know, like just northeast of the city. Like for how many miles? It's like 13 or 14 miles of just. It's, it, it's it, a good run. I mean. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, you know, speaking a little bit more about the community, you know, like I, I mean, being a part of it yourself, you know, what, what are your thoughts just on the, on the culinary community of Atlanta? I mean, watching it from, from the age of, of, of being so young and growing up in Sandy Springs. And then also now to today being a restaurateur, an entrepreneur in the city, like how has it, how was it and how have you seen it grow? Like, you know, just in your opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Atlanta as a city has a um it's getting better but there's a confidence issue in terms of well we uh, don't stack up to new york or chicago or whatever um but i think objectively speaking whenever i travel to other cities looking at particular styles of food yeah it generally stacks up if not exceeds whatever is getting the most hyper buzz in major markets. Yeah. And so quality wise, I, I'm really, uh, of the mind that Atlanta now is our, our best players in different categories can, can go toe to toe with anybody in the country. Sure. Um, and I'm not sure that was the case 15 or 20 years ago that all that's to say, Atlanta's had the seeds of where it is now for a long time, but I think the city is really starting to come come into its own. Um, but as far as the the food community and culture is concerned, I think all you have to do is look at the Giving Kitchen to see how supportive of a community it is, right. more so than a lot of other markets. Right, and the the friends that I have in the industry, everyone, even if they're at other places, it's a very giving, nurturing, supportive group that um, I, I think a lot of people outside feel like the restaurant business is really competitive. It is, it is competitive, but it's not cutthroat or every man for himself. Yeah. It's very supportive and, and nurturing. So. Yeah, and I feel, I feel so lucky to know so many wonderful, talented, I mean, just giving people, you know, speaking of the giving kitchen and having that built into so many people's just approach to, to nurturing people, educating their staff, watching them grow in their roles and, and really cheering for them and rooting for them to continue their career and help them achieve where they want to be. But along the way, it's, it's also support like the, the familial aspect that that's what I grew up with. You know, I, the, people that my mom hired at her restaurant, I still know to this day. Right. And, they've gone through ups and downs and like just parts of life. But that was the bonding experience was you work together, you bled together and seeing that come alive here in Atlanta and mostly being on the side of, you know, I, I, am always you know, rooting for people's you know creativity, but seeing that and really feeling that as a customer or a consumer and it's just very evident. So I don't think you have to look very far to see where it is. No. And I think at its core, that's if you unpack the meaning of hospitality that really is what it is like your your guests are your family your your team is your family D- do what you can to make people feel welcome and have a really good time 
And I think that rings true in a more pronounced, profound way in Atlanta than a lot of other places. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, speaking a little bit more about, I guess, just community and something that's really interesting about, um, and I don't, I don't know if this was like the entire plan early on, and I, I know some things come just as, as opportune moments, but so much of your community is the Beltline. And it's, it's been really interesting to watch it grow back from, you know, 2013, 2014 to today, which sometimes it feels like an eternity, but only like four or five years, right. you know, but man, you talk about how many people have gravitated to this side of town. And I mean, you are one of like the early guys, you know, of, of introducing restaurant level and watering hole style approach to the Beltline. Sure. So, you know, speak to me a little bit about what it's like being a part of here, kind of between Old Fourth Ward, Inman Park, and then, you know, into like Reynolds Town through Cabbage Town. So what's it, what's it like? Um, I, I think it's super cool. The, the Beltline to me is the nexus of the energy in Atlanta right now and yeah. in a very positive way. And so it's, it's just a huge project that a lot of people have rallied behind and assuming we can continue to fulfill the, the overall vision and, and the organization itself can build out the trail and eventually uh, above ground rail the future for Atlanta is bright. And so for right now, being a part of the Beltline and, and being able to support the, the mission of the vision, um, it's been a lot of fun, particularly because you see every, every stripe of person from in town, suburbs, tourists, whatever the case may be. Um, it's, it's a very broad slice of life that yeah. all seems to be excited about the same thing. Um, it just, it has a very organic, high energy, wholesome feel to it. And we've been fortunate to, to have, uh, to become a gathering place for a lot of people that want to hang out in the Beltline. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's fun too. I mean, we, we live, you know, just, just up the way, you know, here on the east side of town and it's amazing watching people still, you know, well now people are whizzing by on bird scooters right. and, <laughs> or, or still on their bike or, you know, just, uh, just walking with their friends, like they're ready for a night out and they just know that the Beltline is a place to go, but they still stumble upon, first of all, Ladybird, you know, and it's still really cool to watch people have those experiences. I mean, they're from out of town or they don't live over here, but you know, they're coming from other parts of Atlanta and they see Ladybird, and it's just this, um, it's still in, in a really good way. It feels almost like an oasis, you know, like you're, you're coming from Pont city market or, you know, stopping off, you know, at the King of pops window. And then, you know, it's just a little bit of trail. And then there's just like this bright, friendly, yellow building and it immediately just says come on in yeah yeah no, i mean that that was the goal and i'm i'm obviously a little biased but our little nook of the belt line is is my favorite part it's very human scale yeah the building next to ours uh and the one across the way where rathman steak is both late late 1800s uh cotton warehouses yeah um there's just a particular feel that you can't recreate on this little segment yeah um and so, yeah, I, I, I feel very fortunate that it's resonated with uh, people in Atlanta that, that enjoy Lady Bird and the Beltline and, and this part of town. Yeah. And, and backing up to where Lady Bird entered your mind 
and the concept. And I, I remember, you know, living over on the east side of town and watching the Beltline evolve and then seeing this place, you know, I mean, where you guys are doing, I mean, all the way from like mill work and then actually getting to opening the business. And I started reading about it on Eater or AJC or wherever it was and like Ladybird Grove and Mess Hall. And that, that name just resonated in my mind of like, that sounds awesome. And then, you know, and then cool. I think the first time <laughs> you're like, yep, nailed it. <laughs> um, but, and then even coming here and then it, the menu was, was not at all what we were expecting, but talk to me a little bit of how the concept uh, from the menu side of things developed and then, you know, really what it was like when you guys first opened, like what was the reception like? Sure. So the concept from the outset was inspired by a trip that I took out West five or six years ago, um, shortly after my brother, middle brother, moved to Jackson, Wyoming. And so we went hiking throughout uh, Yellowstone and Grand Teton. Oh, nice. And had this general idea of doing something outdoorsy on the Beltline, but then the light bulb went off while, while I was out there that it'd be really cool to channel sort of the national park model uh if if it ended up being this kind of imaginary national park resting place on the belt line i felt like there'd be some synergy there and it really resonate with people so that was the the uh, the sort of impetus for everything that we did from there as far as design goes food wise etc and so the menu itself uh, it's morphed a couple times but the general idea is you have this trail map uh, pocket map yeah. that you unfold and it sort of guides you along the way through the different selections. The food is meant to be uh, an homage to outdoor cooking. Yeah. Um, but through the lens of if you went camping on the weekend with one of your buddies who happens to be a chef and he packs very well and has good equipment and yeah. sort of goes a little <laughs> sure. off script. Uh, yeah. So it's not just hot dogs on a stick and right. uh, canned items. Yeah. We we try to get a little bit more creative than that. But yeah. that the campfire concept is yeah. still part of the analysis as yeah. we're looking at new dishes. And that's what made it so fun. There's no one tried to elevate s'mores to a level of just excellence, you know, it's just more of just like, I mean, we'd have all of those piece parts and we can make it for you, but it's just more of like, no, we, we've actually thought well through this. And, um, but I, I, lo- I love the way that you said that it's almost like someone went camping or you went camping with someone and then you've got your pack of all the food that you were supposed to carry and someone just MacGyvered it to make it so good. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Said. At the end of the day, the Beltline should be a really fun channel for people to walk, explore, yeah. uh, scoot on a bird if, if they yeah. so choose. Um, and so if we can latch onto that and provide a fun dining experience, then that's, yeah. that's really what we're here for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then something that I, I think is really cool, and it's it's really fun to watch the belt the Beltline continue to fine-tune itself and, and morph into um, more than just a path. It's, it's becoming a place to live, it's, or even more so than a place to live, and obviously a place for business. And um, so you go just down the Beltline. I mean, maybe from here it's a 
maybe a mile, a little bit more. And then you're at your other two fine establishments, uh, Golden Eagle and Muchacho. So yep. um, I know a little bit of the background, but I want you to tell it a little bit for everybody here who's listening to the show. So let's start with Muchacho. So starting at breakfast, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so tell me about the inspiration of what is probably, uh, it, it's hard for me to get out of my mind as like one of my, one of my favorite places as of late in Atlanta. But cool. Yeah. So without too much pandering, yeah, go ahead. Sure. So um, <laughs> And I'll backpedal a little bit further just to set the table with how we ended up deciding to do this in the first place. But in uh, toward the end of 2015, beginning of 2016, we reached an agreement with the Beltline to be able to do the Grove space adjacent to Lady Bird, which was something that had been brewing for uh, a year and a half at that point. And so by the time that that launched in the spring of 2016 um it it became a a fairly popular destination in its own right yeah right out of the gates and so we were running like our pants were on fire trying to uh staff to accommodate the influx of business and uh the the first three months was just completely bananas but we we found our footing and shortly thereafter started to get uh fair amount of of new opportunities presented our way this was one of them um h harper station had been there for i think five years yeah jerry doing uh really nice cocktails and yeah it was a great space yeah Yeah, great great restaurant awesome um but they i think had reached the end of the first part of their term on the lease and this landed on our table and figured that based on our experience on the Beltline, the direction it was headed was south. You know, the, yeah. the Beltline proper had been working on the, the uh, extension of the East Side Trail down at Memorial at that time. And there's just some unique things that happened operating a restaurant on the Beltline that I felt like we yeah. were uniquely positioned to, to figure out. And so this being a really awesome space, uh, historic 1920s train depot, already had the restaurant infrastructure. It's on the Beltline. It seemed like it'd be a really good fit for us. Yeah. Uh, so I decided to make a run at it. The building itself is fairly long and narrow. Yeah, very much a station. It is station-like, <laughs> indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, and is immediately parallel to the Beltline itself. And so yeah. it has a relatively large patio, but needed to... I felt like low-hanging fruit was just optimizing the way the space works under the roof yeah. and decided to break it into two concepts with Muchacho being in the front, yeah, uh, 750 square feet roughly. Yeah. And then Golden Eagle in the rear, another 2000 square feet yeah. with a shared patio on the side adjacent to the belt line. Yeah. So, uh, as far as the concepts themselves are concerned, Muchacho is open from seven to four, seven days a week. It's, Something I felt like wasn't in Atlanta uh, at the time, and still, I mean, it's six months old, so yeah, not a lot has changed. But the <laughs> breakfast tacos are something that are near and near and dear to my heart. Something I've Mine have made well. thousands yes. of times at home uh, yes. over the years, and for no Atlanta, I feel like people enjoy tacos quite a bit. For whatever reason, breakfast tacos haven't been sure uh, 
something that has really flourished. And so I wanted to put that as our, uh, that, that was a big part of the concept is yeah. just building around breakfast tacos. And so we yeah. added to that a good coffee program. We, we do counterculture coffee, um, have a light menu of a few toasts, some grain bowls, we have poke, and then a, a sort of West Coast and Mexican-inspired pastry case. Yeah. So I, I love that you just kind of went through like the, the high-level detail of the menu. But I want to spend some time talking about breakfast tacos and also talking about toast. So let's talk about breakfast tacos for people who don't realize. So um, I'm thankful to have spent quite a bit of time in Austin, Texas. Sure. And breakfast tacos, like it's it's not even that it's just – uh, a thing that you do. It's more of an expectation of if you're going to breakfast, tacos should be on the menu. Unless you're going to maybe like Denny's, you know? Right. It's like if you're going to like In IHop, which case, like, yeah. why are you going to I was to like, Denny's? well, yeah, like, what are you, where are you actually, are you sure you're actually <laughs> eating breakfast? Let's rethink this. I was like, are you mad at someone? Is that where you're going here? But, uh, but experiencing breakfast tacos. So like one of my favorite places in Austin, Taco Deli, like that was the first place I ever had like true breakfast tacos and like a Migas plate, you know? And sure. I was like, this is a breakfast thing. And it's, it's almost akin to the idea of having pho for breakfast. Like this is a cultural experience, whether you know it or not, but it's also completely far more practical than you might think. But, you know, breakfast tacos for people who don't know are the uninitiated. So why are breakfast tacos so amazing? Um, for me, it's kind of all of your... Or, or my favorite food groups all rolled into one. If you have an awesome tortilla, hot eggs with any sort of combination of ingredients, plus some spicy salsa, uh, you're hitting a sort of primal flavor combination that is hard <laughs> yes. to hard to uh, argue with. And so, if you can do all of that for you know a few bucks per taco, then uh, it's kind of the ultimate bang for the buck. Yeah. Just great experience said, uh, again, have, this is literally something I've made thousands of at home Yeah, <laughs> and it's just something I take for granted, but there's really nowhere to get it anywhere yeah. in town. Yeah. It was just so funny. I was like, all right, well let's, let's figure this out. It can't be yeah. that complicated. So as a side note, we're in the process of expanding our breakfast taco options. We started with a small dedicated kitchen setup in the front yeah. for muchacho and wanted to keep them uh, muchacho and golden eagle sort of self-contained but at the end of the day there's just not enough room to really do as much as we want to do and so yeah. uh long story short we've moved all of our taco production to the back to the main kitchen nice which opens up uh, a pretty wide lane to run in so yeah. over the next couple of months should see quite a few more taco offerings, which I'm excited about. Yeah, I know. And I just, man, I got to say thank you for really spearheading. <laughs> it's <been a> pleasure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're very welcome. Uh, but it's, uh, it, it's really great to see a, a local business really spearheading breakfast tacos in Atlanta. <laughs> and and it's, it's, it's also a really easy gateway conversation into toast, which, I mean, again, experiencing it. And so let's, I mean, talk about like San Francisco, like the mill or uh, trouble coffee company in San Francisco, where kind of you started hearing about this story of toast of people are paying five or $6 for a slice of toast. And to some people, it sounds like heresy. And then to someone like me, like I, I got to 
why I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. So I'm a, I'm a novice baker. I love baking sourdough or like, you know, a Pullman for my family instead of buying bread at the grocery store. So toast has always been something really special. Like I grew up with like cinnamon toast on Saturday mornings, but it's expanded far more into that. And now it's all about avocado toast, but now you've got stuff that's, now it's dressed with, uh, you know, hydroponically grown microgreens, and now it's 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 hitting the artisan levels. You know, it's sure. hitting it's hitting like the prepared like this is a plated dish almost, and the toast that I've experienced at Muchacho, so which is uh, very similar to like getting locks on a bagel, sure, um, and then uh, just uh, ricotta and jam, but. Um, that's another thing that I don't know that Atlanta has has seen enough of yet is toast. Yeah, I mean, I'm personally fond of it. Again, uh, I think everyone theoretically has some childhood memory of enjoying toast, I would imagine. Yeah. So at least, at least you should, yeah. Yeah, uh, God willing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, hopefully and, we can be friends, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I guess the logo or the signature image for your podcast is toast so yeah, i know it, and that's thank you for that i mean it's really fun i mean a lot of people see that and they ask like oh are you just a really big fan of toast like well that wasn't really the idea for the podcast <laughs> but since you mention it i actually am <laughs> and let's talk about toast for a while so it's usually a really good like icebreaker conversation but i'm glad that you know that yeah uh, seeing it on my case but yeah we we make our bread in-house which uh, may or may not be obvious to the naked eye. Yeah, that was one of the first questions. I so like I'm really nosy when I walk into a restaurant. I'm you know very friendly, but like like can you talk to me about your bread? Like right. who's who's baking <laughs> your bread? And they're like, well, I actually make it in the back. And I'm like, can you just give me a high five? Like thank you. Right. And it's just it's beautiful. I mean, it's a huge, huge like pretty cartoony shaped loaf of bread. Not not too dissimilar from like what my logo looks like. But that to me is just what a slice of bread should truly look like. Right. And to me, there's just something uh, beautiful and inherently satisfying about a freshly baked loaf of sourdough. Yes. With a thick slice, put some butter on it, mm-hmm. and then kind of go go nuts from there. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's really the bedrock of our very limited toast selection, yeah. but something we wanted to do from day one, and uh, fortunately have a, a really talented pastry team of four young ladies that are all fantastic and yeah um, we do all of our tortillas in house as well as a, just sidebar but as far as toast goes yeah it's it's been um a popular versatile vehicle yeah for us and and people seem to dig it so yeah and i think it's time to break the whatever uh, the misconception of of it being so polarizing like you either just don't get it or you do it's like we've got to find the middle ground like people need to understand that there's a really good entry point for toast and i feel like they're they're I mean, whether it's muchacho or i had a uh, fred and stephanie castellucci from castellucci sure. group on on the menu and so recess over in Clark street market you know it's it's not meant to be something that's so unattainable from a culinary standpoint, like it's meant to be very humble, but like the ingredients are really good and it's elevated toast, you know, but right. it's, um, I, I feel like it's a, it, it's a, it's a part of someone's menu that might not have the, the greatest entry level understanding for someone because it's so dissonant in someone's mind. Like why would I pay like for toast? Like it's a slice of bread with stuff on it. Like, yeah, but think of bread as the vehicle and right. now it's for us it, and now it's a way for us to showcase what we're doing from a culinary perspective. So again, I would say applause to you guys for 
continuing what I believe should be more prominent on far more menus. So go eat toast, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. It, yeah. It's uh, delicious and nutritious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you can even make it unnutritious if you want to. So <laughs> deep fried toast is probably, you know, coming up sometime soon. But, um, yeah. So before we, before we start talking about golden Eagle, I, I want to hear a little bit uh, just from, from your side, the, when you walk into muchacho, it's, it, there's some serious ambiance going on. I mean, you step into a very cozy space that feels exactly like something in the 1970s. Um, what? Thank you very much. I'm glad. Uh, <laughs> like, you, it was very nice. <laughs> very nice being on your podcast. Have a great afternoon. <laughs> Done. Uh, yeah. No. We. Uh, more than anything, I, I enjoy putting uh, a big personality on the spaces sure. that we do, and if if you're, I mean, I'm sure some some people walk through the front door and and it's kind of like, here's the menu. I'm gonna get some coffee and. <laughs> they blank it like, out. I have no idea where I am, but uh, it seems fine. <laughs> yeah. um, but if if you appreciate it, that's that's great. And yeah, there's uh, a, a bold racing stripe pattern, and we've got a lot of plants hanging, and it's a really bright, sunny space. Very. Um, wanted to channel kind of a, a 1970s Venice Beach surf shop yeah. that happens to serve food and coffee. Yeah, uh, as sort of a side hustle. Yeah. So, that was the that was the goal. That was the mindset. And uh, if if you get those vibes from walking through the front door, then uh, I guess we've done our job to a certain extent. Yeah. And uh, maybe if you're hearing this and you have been to Muchacho and you just haven't really noticed it, and next time you have you know your wits about you, you'll exactly you know, you'll understand exactly what you're talking about. So um, no, very very cozy space, and I think that fits the bill perfectly. Of like you know. 70s surfer vibe and my, my goal for my next visit which is going to be fairly soon i'd imagine um i'm gonna pick up one of the really rad tank tops that you guys have F- fantastic yeah. thank you for so, the plug uh yeah. they're very new and uh <laughs> we're excited to release them but that wasn't planned i mean that's that's really that's really from my heart being a tank top lover so very reasonably priced yeah. so yeah. all your listeners should <laughs> look into this for their wardrobe coupon code m something whatever just buy yeah but yeah i'll be i'll be the one wearing the uh tank top on the belt the brand ambassador indeed indeed but uh so shifting gears to golden eagle so this is a really fun space to talk about i mean you talk about ambiance so and i I think you that's a that's a very understated thing i mean uh you walk into ladybird and it it's very thematic you walk into muchacho very thematic golden eagle same thing but it's less indicative of the name i feel like you've got to dig for it a little bit you know you've you've got to know that You've got to know like that the space is there behind Muchacho, like still part of like the old station. But when you walk in, it's it's a, it's another it, it's another portal. It's another time machine into a period of time that's somewhere balanced between 70s and 80s. And um, I've got another thing that I want to mention. But I would, talk talk to me a little bit about Golden Eagle and just the ambiance of this amazing bar. Um, yeah. So when I was first getting into the restaurant space, I think one of the components of the market that I thought was sort of frustrating as a consumer, but also saw as an opportunity was Instagram was just starting to get rolling in 2011, 2012, whenever yeah. it was. And there was a lot of, you know, Steve's Burgers. My name's Steve. We sell burgers. 
come have a burger. Yeah. Um, very one note. This is what we do. Yeah. And therefore you should care because that's, you know, everyone sure. likes burgers. Sure. So at the end of the day, I, f- I feel like for me, at least going out to eat and drink is a form of escapism. Like you want to just forget about the crap you were dealing with during the day or yeah. your boss or whatever. And so if the space can help speed up the process and get you to some unknown imaginary place that you didn't know existed, then that hopefully creates a opportunity for a more memorable experience with the food and the beverage and the service and everything that follows. So that's, that's uh, kind of the linchpin behind all the concepts, but for golden Eagle specifically, um, an inspiration point was my grandparents living room. And by extension, my grandparents as people, uh, they, my grandmother grew up in Pittsburgh, was very hard scrabble, uh, sweet lady, but grew up like her dad was a foreman in a steel mill. She worked in a steel mill in, in high school. Wow. Uh, my grandfather was a pilot in the Navy in the war depression era, uh, mindset for both of them lived these just very interesting lives, traveled quite a bit, um, Big personalities. Grandfather looked like Santa Claus. My grandmother looked like the uh, uh, Mrs. Fields, with the big kind of white afro, <laughs> very grandmotherly. But that's like the that, that's like the picture that everybody has in their mind for some reason of like this is what everyone's grandma looks like. Th- literally, yeah. like the stereotype exactly. is real. With, like you have a grandma that looks them. like this, and like we can't tell them apart. But that's what everyone has a grandma. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> growing up, we would go on vacation with them, and my grandfather would pack this suitcase with his gear to make uh the second we would dock at the wherever we were going Mm -hmm. he would unpack the suitcase it would have everything he needed to make himself an old-fashioned and johnny walker uh red for my grandmother uh which she would have on the rocks and so there was this cocktail suitcase that was the signal that we were on vacation grandfather's having an old-fashioned grandma's having scotch on the rocks um so they were just these big, big personalities. Didn't they would feel guilty if they went out night on the town and spent like, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. But still wanted to have a good time. So Golden Eagle was uh, sort of an, uh, a way to create an imaginary place that I thought they might really enjoy <laughs> awesome. back in their day. Uh, and the way we came with came up with the name and the logo and all that is I found this soda bottle at. Uh, thrift store five or six years ago thought it was really cool just bought it put it on our uh, above our sink in our kitchen yeah six months a year go by started to think that it'd be a good, a good restaurant name look into the history of the company they were based in Pennsylvania they went out of business in the 70s mm-hmm. the logo was effectively dead at that point and so uh, figured out how to repurpose the logo itself and so wow. we basically just took this existing brand that was no longer with us that's amazing and repurposed it into golden eagle so wow the story of your grandfather and his cocktail suitcase is <laughs> probably the coolest thing i've ever heard <laughs> it was again something i took for granted as a kid yeah. in hindsight i was like that was actually pretty awesome yeah that that sounds far more badass than like i mean i'd imagine i'd imagine actually watching it happen than what i have in my mind like I would be silent the entire time. I'm like, <laughs> someone is doing something very ceremonial and I just need to pay attention. 
and that's that's so cool. But I, it, it, it's fun. I mean, I've, I have memories of my grandfather, like how he would light his pipe, and I remember that very vividly. Right. And but man, to have a grandparent and it's the cocktail suitcase, so I can make myself an old fashioned. Like, yep, time to vacation. You're like, bam, that's the killer it's, memory. It's pretty badass, and yeah. so we had to do a riff on that at Golden Eagle. So we we literally have a cocktail suitcase yes. on the menu. So yes, that's <laughs> which, that's the backstory. Yeah, which I think most people probably talk about. They're like, it's this like you know. It's it's this whole like kit of like and I don't know where the idea came from. So now I know the story. Now I know how to tell yeah, people, yeah. which is Very really good. awesome. So uh, one of the other things that I think is, I mean, again, it might not be a point that you know. Again, it might be the one of the things that people just totally pass by. They might never actually see or even think anything of. But the first time that I went, the first thing that I noticed, this whole place is carpeted. It, it and, is indeed, and and it might. You know, again, it might just be like a completely irrelevant detail to someone going to a bar or a restaurant or like, and I don't think I'm hyper aware of anything. I, I just immediately was entranced by the ambiance, but the thing was what I was standing on. Like my feet are on top of carpet right now where you just don't see that in a bar, right. you know? So, um, but I think that adds, it is such a, a wonderful accent to the ambiance of it's, it's like you just stepped out of busy Memorial Drive, probably just almost got hit by a car, and now it's like you're in this time portal in like my grandpa's living room. That's that's literally the goal. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean the carpet is is intentionally a little loud and in your face. <laughs> um, yeah. A bright red yes, yes. plaid pattern, yeah. but it's uh, it's also of a weave that is. I think it's technically an outdoor graded carpet, so it's it's tough. It's really tough yeah, and resilient. Yeah. You're not uh, gonna screw it up. Yeah. We haven't had too much, too many problems with it. But at, at the end of the day, we've got the the blinds drawn, the lighting dark, the yeah. the music is is um, mostly 60s and 70s soul funk, yeah, that sort of thing. So yeah, if if you walk through the front door, you're kind of in this safe place where yeah. the world outside is, has stopped, and yeah. you're you're in a kind of comfortable yeah. zone where you can let loose and forget <laughs> sure. forget about all the yeah the crap out about yeah so. crap crap or whatever shit. yeah or shit <laughs> shit shit shit's another really great four letter word for what's going on in everyone's lives uh, has Stranger Things wanted to film at Golden Eagle yet uh, not yet we've uh, off the record had a few of the cast members there just for nice an evening out but. Nice. Yeah, haven't haven't done any shooting. Yeah. With them yet. Well, if they haven't thought about it, that's like you got the whole set. Like it's already ready right. to go. We'll we'll make something happen. That's like another vertical of the business. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I I think the just the you know the the whole triple crown, if you want to call it, you know, starting your day at Muchacho, you know, lunch and couple cocktails or beers over here at Lady Bird, and then find your way back over at Golden Eagle sometime in the evening. It's it's an amazing experience, man. I think you've created something really cool. Thank you. Atlanta. I, I support that itinerary. Yeah. So. <laughs> like I, yeah. Like I think everybody should stri- should subscribe. Yeah, literally to that. everyone yeah. should do that. Yep. You you can sell that for like a uh, like it's it's an it's a tour of Atlanta, and they don't even have to know. They don't, it, they don't have to know. That's all part of part, the same. Partner family. with the Segway. Yeah. Uh, guys yep. that are on the bell line, or or even get a bird. Yeah. There you go. So. Yeah. Um, so I guess the the other question I have here is you know what's what's next for you guys. Um, well, we're going to hit the, the four year mark for Lady Bird in September. Wow. 
That's awesome. We started with uh, about 30 people on staff. We're up to 150 now company-wide. That's so awesome. uh, pretty. Congrats, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been exciting the last couple of years for sure. Pretty fast-paced uh, growth. We've got a few irons in the fire we're looking at, and you've uh, your listeners can't really see it, but we've got a few adjacent spaces at Ladybird. We're looking at doing an event space. Oh, cool! Um, That's great. More details to follow. I think you'll be excited if if uh, if what we want to happen is is doable per our structural engineer. Yeah. So that's all I can say for now. But <laughs> nice. Um, beyond that, I would say maybe within the next six months we might have some other uh, another property in the works. But Very cool. Can't say a whole lot more. Yeah, yeah. That, no, so. that's exciting, man. I mean, it's just it's really cool to see, you know, how you've grown from Ladybird and then to um, you know doing something really cool with Muchacho and Golden Eagle and. It, uh, it, I think it just fits the bill really well for what what people in Atlanta are clamoring for. And um, again, I mean, just a, applause to, to what you guys have created. So it's really awesome. No, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. So, uh, well, we've reached the, the final part of the show. And uh, what it's called is On the Fly. So these are questions that are made for you. And you may answer them as quickly as possible. Some of them are a one-word answer. Or you can wax poetic and spend as much time as you need to just answer them as thoroughly as possible. So i got five questions for you. Shit. So first one that I want to know is, so when you were menu developing toast, what do you put on your toast? Um, the literally had toast at home this morning we were <laughs> my wife and i we've got two small kids mm-hmm. we were just out in portland oregon uh most of this past week and nice. on the way back got some smoked salmon that is from the area that uh it was literally like inhaling a log of of wood off of the fire. It was the smokiest thing I've ever had in my life. I but, would do that. I would uh, do that it was, yeah. it was fucking awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but had that on toast this morning at home for breakfast. Uh, beyond that, we'll typically, because we got small kids, we'll always have bread in the house. Yeah. Cheese, eggs, avocado, uh, fish and meat. Yeah. And it's sort of just a merry-go-round of yeah. different combinations. It's just so. such a great vehicle. Yeah, so, it really is. So are you snatching a loaf of bread from Muchacho for your house? Uh, on occasion, yeah. 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 Like, you don't need convenient. this. Convenient. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just go bake more, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take too long. <laughs> Unfortunately, it does, but... Um, Proof it. Yeah. Proof it. Yeah. It's, it's at least like an hour, folks. It's okay. <laughs> um, so here's a new style of question. And I used, to, I used to ask this a different way, but I like this version more. I think it fits probably a little bit more of everyone probably does this at some point. But I want to know... And we can go back to this so we can answer this one by one. But So this is like three questions in one. But I want to know, what are you going to Pont City Market for? Which farmer's market are you going to? And which supermarket do you shop at? So it's all about markets, but different kinds. So let's start back at the beginning. What are you going to Pont City Market for? Oh. Um. Everything. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably going with the kids first thing in the morning on a Saturday out of desperation. Uh, we've got a <laughs> almost four year old boy and a 18 month old boy and they just are wound up. Like yeah, yeah. you wouldn't believe yeah, it. No, so it's like, yes, if we're going to Ponce city market, it's probably first thing in the morning 
on a weekend, get some coffee at Spiller Park and maybe a biscuit at Hops and yeah. just have a lot of wide open space with yep. out a lot of people um, at that time to let the kids just kind of run around and, and not break themselves or anything else. Yeah. So. The second floor above the food hall between uh, Chubby's and um, the shoe shop, the guys who are making boots and stuff, it can be like a daycare on a Saturday morning. There's yeah. like families that are like, oh goodness, there's places to sit and my children can run and they're not going to like kill themselves. And like, so yeah, if you ever, do you have kids? I do. I have a three year old and a, uh, almost 20 month old. So yeah, I know the busy. I know. Yeah. yeah. So like Saturday morning, it's like, we got to get out of the house now. Um, so Uh, which farmer's market are you going to farmer's market? I would say freedom park, uh, the one over at the Carter center. Yeah. It's a great spot. It's, it's a good close by. They've got a nice selection. It's, it's good times. Yeah, I know. It's, it's never been a bad time. So, um, And then this is a, just a fun question. Since you're a Southerner, you know, which supermarket do you guys shop at? Does DeKalb, your DeKalb Farmer's Market count as a supermarket? I think so. Okay, then that, yeah. that, is, that is the one. Yeah. So. This has made it into several interviews that I've had, and I just love to hear everyone's opinion. But so many people have told me that they think DeKalb Farmer's Market is a really great place for a first date. And I think that's, I think that's <laughs> is right. Is that right? I think it's true. I think, I mean, you can, uh, you that's can a good it. fork on the road. Like yeah. if, if the, the other person's not into it, then yeah. clearly look elsewhere. But yeah, it's like, this isn't going to work. Yeah, out. of course it's not going to work. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it could either like steer people in the right direction for their life together or it could completely like separate them. I mean, like, why did you bring me here? <laughs> well, like, look at all the look at all the stuff. Like, it's, it's amazing. Sea, it's a sea of people, and you it's can Wonderland. Get, you can get like duca, and you know, like they'll like roll sausage for you in the same place. Like, why would you not love that? Yeah. Also, let's get married. Maybe that'll happen. <laughs> maybe that's someone's. Yeah. Maybe that's someone's story of true love. Um. So, are you a beer guy, a wine guy, or a cocktail guy, or a mixture of all three? I, I would say I'm a scientifically engineered hybrid of all three. Nice. But, um. I'll probably reach for beer first, then maybe a cocktail, then wine, though I enjoy all of them in their own ways, uh, depending on the mood. Yeah. So if it's not Lady Bird or Golden Eagle, where are you going? Um, Again, not to be whiny and and grumpy, but our (laughs) children have, our our lovely, lovely children have sort of... uh, hamstrung our our orbit the last couple of years but yeah all of which is to say Bacalupo is kind of the we live in cabbage town nice uh so closest in striking distance for yeah very good everything um but if if i'm kind of uh, trying to just get a cocktail or have a good time uh bonton is a lot of fun yeah great spot. um we go to one year stag uh eight arm it's yeah. enjoyable. So, yeah. yeah. This is great for like all the people that just don't know the magic of the east side of Atlanta. Like, get over here. Yeah. That's that's yeah. where the magic is happening. Come to Lady Bird. Do that triple crown thing that we were talking about exactly. earlier. Yeah, that's a great place to start. Um, so this is a great one word answer. So you have to choose your favorite. Or there can be a tie, I guess. So, like this is America, we can do whatever we want. But are you breakfast, like team breakfast, lunch, dinner, late night, or brunch? Since you're a dad, that might color the answer a little bit, but I don't know. <laughs> uh in a vacuum, definitely a dinner guy. Uh-huh. Um, though I'm, I also have a just big appetite and excitement levels will be high for all meals depending yeah. on my hunger. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, gun to the head, I'm saying dinner yeah. all day long. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. Cause like, I, I think there's probably an easy way for everybody to, you know, if you really had to, and you need one meal of the day, like dinner is probably the best choice. Everyone's like breakfast is the, is the most important <laughs> meal of the day. It's like, well, if you no, can, not. if you can get it, like just a meal, <laughs> like at some point when you wake up before you go to sleep, like it's great to eat. But yeah, like I'm with you. I think dinner is, di- dinner is going to become the next like brunch. People are going to like start celebrating. Like we have a dinner menu. Do you know that? You know, because in Atlanta, everyone's like, we have brunch, and everyone's like, wow. Maybe maybe dinner is going to experience the renaissance that it really well. God, like, I hope so. Yeah, it just deserves it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's we'll, overdue. We'll be high fiving over dinner. Like yes, dinner's back. <laughs> so, um, last question, and I ask this to everybody. So don't feel like you're being you know singled out or anything. But I want to know what's in your fridge at home right now. Um, very mundane uh <laughs> embarrassing and and thin it's a lot of milk and yogurt mm-hmm. um some hot sauce tons of eggs i guess the only exciting components uh to the extent that this is exciting is all at all but we will typically have a few meats and cheeses mm-hmm. in there for the spontaneous cheese board but yeah. uh Beyond that, it's mostly kid stuff and yeah. and not much else. <laughs> I candidly just I used to cook all the time before we opened Ladybird, but yeah. I just don't cook hardly at all anymore. So yeah, yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, like some people have varying answers of like there's like a piece of cheese in there that I need to throw away. Yeah, or some <laughs> almond milk and uh, but some people like I had a I interviewed um, man someone they were just like yeah I've got like uh, you know just very casually like yeah you know like like champagne some foie gras like <laughs> dude <laughs> going like, down the line here. you're like otherworldly above <laughs> everybody else but um yeah i'm with you hey man like the mundane fridge like it's all right it's a good place to yeah. be so, i can make you a smoothie that's yeah. <laughs> not much else yeah come on yeah toast and uh yeah it's gonna be a nice cozy visit to the <laughs> lennox household but uh but man michael lennox it was such a pleasure having you on the show man thanks Enjoyed for joining with me and again if you haven't uh, made it over to uh ladybird or muchacho or golden eagle all within the you know easy striking distance of the belt line but um yeah man such a pleasure to have you thanks again yeah absolutely that's going to do it for this week everybody many thanks go out to michael lennox for joining us for the show and for everything that he and his team is doing to add amazing food and culture to our city if you haven't had a chance to check out ladybird for some Beltline fun do so and also try starting your day with some amazing toast and coffee from muchacho i highly recommend it and also golden eagle recently relaunched golden hours where they do five dollar snacks and seven dollar cocktails from five to seven daily it's a really great time but until next time i cannot wait to bring you guys more stories from local chefs culinary entrepreneurs, and people who are making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm your host, Ben Getz. Thanks again for listening to the Atlanta Foodcast.